This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. <laughs> he wants nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I am joined, as I am once a week, by Tom Opperman. And Tom, uh, I want to go over a couple questions I've been mooting on my show on the X. First off, and I got a poll up on Twitter. You can vote at Mark Madden X. Should the Pirates sign Trevor Bauer, the, the pitcher who was suspended by MLB for almost 200 games for being in kind of a, a, a sleazy sexual assault case, but he was not convicted. Uh, he served his time in terms of absence from baseball uh, do you think any team's going to bring him back and should the pirates be in on that yes i think someone is going to bring him back he's too good of a talent to just be left out in the void especially on something that he wasn't convicted for and he served his suspension for yes the pirates should do that because they're never going to have an opportunity like this again i don't think to sign a caliber of player like that for as cheap as they're going to be able uh, let, to sign let, him. let alone a pitcher right let alone a pitcher because you have to develop your own pitchers you can't trade for them they don't you know come available in free agency and if they do you know if a number one or a number two starter does go to free agency there's only like five teams or six he's going to go to so but I think the Pirates' biggest weapon, I'm kind of concerned when you say that other teams will be in on him because the only chance the Pirates have to get Trevor Bowers is if they're the only team. Well, I did like your point. We were talking, I think, off-air about this yesterday, and you said you think he has to go to a crappy team first, kind of prove it for a half a year, and then the contenders will jump on. Because I, I have to imagine a team like the Yankees, you know, the Indians that need starting pitching, are looking at him like, man, I'd really like the, to have the, him on a rotation. They're good teams, yes. but they don't want to go through the PR nightmare. Exactly. So it, it, it's kind of like... Uh, when Bill O'Brien succeeded Joe Paterno. Nobody wanted to be the guy to succeed Joe Paterno, but to be the guy who succeeded the guy that succeeded Joe Paterno, right. things would have settled down at State College by then, and, and they certainly did for James Franklin, although I think Bill O'Brien is, to this day, far the superior coach. I think the Pirates took it. What I would do is that signed into a two-year deal. The first year at the Major League Minimum, because the Dodgers are already having to pay him $22.5 million, and then you sign him for like $10 million the next year, which is... <laughs> A lot, but affordable for a pitcher of that caliber, and then you're probably going to be able to trade him. Do you think the Pirates? Return. Do you think the Pirates will pay him ten million a year? No, we're talking, of course, <laughs> hypothetically here, but uh, but it's something I think they should look into. It's one of those things that I have no faith that it's going to happen because they're the Pirates, right. and, and 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 again, I don't think 
I don't think they'd risk pissing off the season ticket holders, although how many season ticket holders are there? How many people are at the ballpark in the first place? To me, it's a no-lose situation for them. It would be an uncomfortable signing. I mean, I would be a little uncomfortable by it, but I don't think you can argue with the fact that it'd be the right move right now for them. See, I just don't think somebody's career should end because they're convicted by Twitter. Because, you know, the woke mob strings him up. I I think once he wasn't convicted, that should have been the end of it as far as his future participation in MLB. I, I think it should be no problem that he pitches. And the funny thing is, liberalism preaches second chances, except for those they don't like. Yeah, it's second chances for the people that they deem worthy of the second chances, Mark. For the poor and downtrod, not the Major League Baseball pitcher making 22.5 mil. Him not being convicted and the fact that he already served a rather lengthy suspension from the MLB, he deserves a second chance to be out on the field, and I think he's going to get it, just not from the Pirates, because the Pirates aren't going to do a move that's smart. Another popular, nay cliched, perhaps even hackneyed sports talk question, Tom, should the Steelers draft Jordan Addison, the wide receiver ex of Pitt, more recently of Southern Cal, has declared he was a pretty good combination with Kenny Pickett at Pitt. A lot of people are saying reunite those two. It'd be like Joe Burrow and, and uh, Jamar Chase, you know, going from LSU to Cincinnati, ignoring, the, of course, the fact that neither Pickett nor Addison is in a remote class with Burrow or Chase. Yeah, I don't think Pickett and Addison went 15-0 and and won the national championship and are arguably part of the greatest college football team in the history of the sport. It's my least favorite topic already around Steelers draft is the Jordan Addison topic because it's absurd that people think that it should happen and think that it's a good move for the Steelers because it's not a good move for and the Steelers. And that they even need a wide receiver. They don't, that's what I've They're been, putting romanticism ahead of pragmatism. They need a wide receiver, but not that kind of wide receiver. They've got a one, they've got a two. Pickens, Deontay. They need a third wide receiver. Maybe Calvin Austin's already that guy. You get that guy in the fourth round, fifth round. Steelers are good at finding receivers in those middle rounds anyway. They're not going to pick Jordan Addison, and if they do, it's a big mistake. And they're not stocked up in other positions. They need a cornerback. They need right. linemen. They need an inside backer. So who would you take in the first round, given given choice? Uh, Jordan Addison, Joey Porter Jr., or a, a good offensive lineman? Given choice, I'd take a good offensive lineman. Left tackle, preferably. If you had to cut it down to just Peasy's kid and Addison, keep the buddy system involved, I'd rather go Peasy's kid because I think it fits a more pressing need. Do you think he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL, though? I just think the jury's so out on that. He will be at least I, I when he starts. I think he will be at first. Yes, he's yeah, not first. going to go to training camp and get moved to safety, but, but we'll boy, see. But boy, if you start him at cornerback and he can't do it, and then you move him to safety, then your first-round pick has the stench of defeat about it, doesn't it? And they're good on safety. They have three solid safeties, assuming they bring Edmonds and KZ back. They just don't need another one. I'd only bring one back, by the way. You wouldn't bring them both back? If the price was right, but yeah. I, I got a feeling, I think KZ might get a a good ticket. I'm not so sure about Edmonds. I agree with you on that one. I think Edmonds is the most likely to come back on a team or team friendlier deal than KZ. KZ's got track record of being a league leader in interceptions before. And he once he served a suspension and came back this year, he looked great. It is my fear they think their offensive line is good enough. Me too. And don't draft among their first 3 picks. They don't take a lineman in the first or second round. That's my biggest fear, along with the offensive coordinator, which he's going to stay. I, I think you think that. You you know that, I think, at this point. But uh, Well, I, I don't know. I think it, there was a, a, a twist in the tail. Uh, Byron left, which as we, as we uh, record this, is fixing to be fired by Tampa Bay, which, of course, is ridiculous. To act like that offense going bad is anything but Tom Brady's fault 
is absurd. Like, do you think that that Tom Brady did as Byron Leftwich dictated? Because I don't. No, I don't. And when you look at Byron Leftwich, he's been Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator since 2019. They were the third best offense in points per game in 2019. Third best in 2020. Second best in 2021. Then B.A. leaves. Tom Brady probably gets a little bit more power on that offensive side of things. 18th in the league this year. I think year. Brady always had the power, but uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't want to hire Byron Leftwich, but there's a chance because he's a Tomlin crony. Yes, he fits buddy the buddy system. system. Yep, buddy system. Uh, okay, here's a more burning question, Tom. Should a fat actor have played Brendan Fraser in that movie Whale? He won Best Actor in the Golden Globes. Why didn't a fat actor play the fat guy? Why did Brendan Fraser have to put on all these prosthetics to look fat? You think like somebody should have called Billy Gardell our good buddy and had him cast? Well, as a, now well, Billy Gardell's lost a lot of weight, lot of weight, now, weight. Yeah. And, and so is Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, like w- the whole Mike and Molly crew, you know, dropped a ton, and, and I admire them for it. Right. But part of me says, why would a fat actor lose weight when it's kind of your trademark? Will they be as attractive? Will they be thought of for thin guy roles when they were? So available for fat person roles. See, with acting, it's always tricky for me because they're playing a part. They're playing a character. So I don't necessarily think you need to have a fat guy playing a fat guy. I don't think you have to have a transgender person playing well, no, no, a transgender let, let, actor. Let's talk about that. It was like when there was going to be a movie about Dante Tex Gill. Scarlett Johansson was the star, Who, who right? I remember. Dante Tex Gill was the old-time Pittsburgh crime boss in charge of all the triple X-rated stuff, pornography, prostitution. And Tex Gill was a man who lived as a woman. Right. And they were making a movie. Scarlett Johansson was going to play the lead role. And there was such an outcry by the trans community that a trans actor should play that they just decided to not make the movie. And, and you know, I, I understand. I think that protest comes from good intentions. But Scarlett Johansson's a drawing card. This is about economics. It's a business. And, you know, I think it's a good movie with Scarlett Johansson. You know, somebody that... You know, trans or not, that we never heard of, and I don't know—is there a famous trans actor? I, I there's I don't a few. Know. There's a few I can name, like the the girl in Whippet who lives as a as a man now, and the uh, the kid in uh, the rocker, the leader of the band who lives as a woman okay. now. But but I'm not I'm not so sure they have box office, like certainly not like like Scarlett Johansson. So with that in mind. I have my my first top three list today is the top three fat actors. I love it. And number three is Jonah Hill from Moneyball. But he fluctuates. He goes back and forth. Skinny Jonah, fat Jonah. Even skinny Jonah looks fat. (laughs) And and, and, you notice I said that just like uh, the movie This Is The End. God, this is Jonah Hill from Moneyball. Uh, But you're right. He does fluctuate. Uh, Number two, John Goodman. Okay. He just, you know, not only is he fat, but he's just hulking. Big head. You know, big jaw. He's just a, a big hulking guy. You know what his most unbelievable role was? Babe Ruth. I never saw him play Babe Ruth. Yeah, he, he was in the movie The Babe. And he was good in it because, you know, you know, you're not looking to find a guy who... He's good in everything. Yeah. But, but like, he played Babe Ruth as, like, a teenager. And Babe Ruth wasn't fat until... Later in his career. Relatively later in his career. Yeah, but John Goodman, you can't go wrong with having him yes. involved with anything. anything. Have you seen the movie Flight with Denzel when he's like the coked up pilot? Yeah, tremendous. The plane? John Goodman is the drug guy. Tremendous. He's incredible in that. Uh, and number one, uh, the late Chris Farley. Of course. Uh, he would have been, I think, the guy. I mean, I'm really extrapolating here, but if he would have played the guy in Whale, that would have been, you know, could have been... Well, he probably would have tried it by now. How old would he be? God, he'd be... In his fifties, maybe his you mean 60s. taking a serious turn, maybe yes. for Chris Farley. Yes, yes, doing his 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 breakout dramatic role. 
Maybe the whale would have been good for that. Chris Farley's the guy that I see Kevin James in movies, and I say that should have been Chris Farley. That was going to yeah, be him. Kevin James is the Dollar Tree. Chris he just Farley. slid right into that Sandler crew whenever Farley passed. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. Now, um, how about people who gain weight to become fatsos for movies? Like Christian Bale gained 43 pounds right. for his role in American Hustle, which is a great movie. Why did that role require him gaining weight, though? That was kind of weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. Why did they have to make that character? Is it based on a true story? American Hustle. But it's a true story nobody knows. Right, so you can make the guy look like Christian Bale and no one's going to call you out for it and be like, hey, he's a little huskier in real life than Christian Bale's portraying him. Uh, more impressive, I think, than you know, gaining all the weight, because that's easy to do, right? You just eat a ton of stuff and then you're... You don't have to tell me. Have you ever seen like uh, the movie where Dallas Buyers Club, Matthew McConaughey had AIDS? He lost all that weight, shockingly, yeah. to look sickly in that movie. Oh, that's you know way too? more impressive. You know who else, too? Dennis Quaid in Wide Earp. He lost all Just that weight to play Doc Holliday because sickly, Doc Holliday right. was, was standing sickly and had tuberculosis. So. Val Kilmer didn't want to do that for Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, Val Kilmer was still the better Doc Holliday, though. He was amazing in that role. Not not to uh, detract from Dennis Quaid, but, uh, but boy, it's amazing the two Wyatt Earp movies came out within, I think, a year of each other. And they're both home runs. Both very good, but I, I think Tombstone... Yes. Was you know I mean Tombstone had Charlton Heston in it for God's sakes and, and how do you beat Kurt Russell just running out into the middle of the water No 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 bullets flying all around sounds like him. me yelling at my cat uh, Okay we got to talk about the NFL playoffs uh, How about the Dallas kicker missed four extra points <laughs> and the under came in by a half point or it was it one and a half At any rate him missing the kicks brought home the under Brett Maher Would you cut him Would you get a new kicker for the next game I think How I would. How do you do that? I think I would, though. Like I, Matt Wright, guy who kicked for the Steelers a little bit when Boswell was out, he's out there on a free agency. Go grab him. I mean, he missed four extra points. Now, if the Steelers release Chris Boswell, could the Cowboys get him? <laughs> you could cut a deal Work there, a right? Deal there, and then maybe send a fifth round pick, you know, for some other player down the line. Hey, if they could fix the under. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Evans dropped that touchdown. I guess he had the under as well. Uh, now, now after that game, you know, they interviewed Brady and pe- they were. You know, trying to pry out of him what his plans for next year were. I think Brady stinks now. Who would want him? Do you think he stinks completely? He did throw for like 300 plus yards in that That's game. That's because they trailed all the time and their running game was horrible. And he threw a crap ton this year, so his numbers are a little bit inflated that way. Someone's going to give him a chance, though. And do you think his own, you know, pride is going to let him go out in a game like that, getting blown out at home to Dallas? I think if he keeps playing until he gets the perfect ending... He's never going to, He's never get, going it. to get it. He and, had it already when he won that Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Yeah, he should have quit then, just like Peyton Manning quit after he won the Super Bowl with Denver. Although, LA. although that was an outlier because Peyton Manning was horrible that whole season, and they yeah. they just won the Super Bowl because they had great defense and could could run the ball a little bit. And to be fair, he made the plays he needed to. Yeah, right. He could make the shifts, protection coverages, all that stuff. Well, just he don't swa- turn it over. He swallowed his pride to become the quarterback that they needed him to be. Brady would never do that. I do think he's going to play next year, not in a Tampa Bay uniform, though. I think he's going to go somewhere else and start to whore himself out to other teams. Like Gretzky. Uh, now that we've seen the, the wild card round, who, who's your favorite to win it? I just think the Chiefs are inevitable. I, I think getting a week off like they did is so oh, big. and they have the closest thing to a bye yeah. in the division round because they'll kill Jacksonville. They'll kill Jacksonville at home. That That's a game that's going to be 17 points, I think, in the favor of the Chiefs as far as winning margin. Uh, they just seem inevitable to me. The Niners are the best team in football. But you just can't trust Brock Purdy. You can't bet on Brock Purdy. It's no. not like he's Kenny Pickett. Uh, uh, you know the game that interests me is Giants and Philadelphia. 
Because the Giants can make a fist of that, don't you think? Yeah, I do. I, I think that's a close game. I think Philadelphia wins. Me too. But, but I don't think, you know, there's sometimes the bye doesn't benefit. I think the Giants, having played a playoff game and beaten Minnesota on the road, I think they're more tuned up for this game than Philadelphia will be having had the bye. When you're a team that knows what time it is, like the Chiefs, like the Patriots of the Brady dynasty, you want that bye. Because you're not going to have much rust when you come back for the divisional round. The Eagles are very, very young, don't know how to win yet. Jalen Hurts lost his only playoff game last year in the first round. I could see them having a slow start. And if Danny Dimes played like he did against Minnesota, he looks like a top 10 quarterback out there. Yeah, he got he got a new contract with that one Yes, no hundreds class. of millions of dollars. I think he probably would have got it anyway, but now they, they got no choice. Uh, one last football thing. Do you believe, as I do, that Lamar Jackson probably could have played in that playoff game against the Bengals and opted not to because of his pending free agency? Yes, I think he probably could have played, although you are hearing stories now from players in the Ravens locker room coming out and being like, oh, Lamar was limping around the facility even just last week. I but think they're covering for What else I, are you going to do, right? Like, what, They're not going to say, I hate Lamar. I think we, well, they should. Well, they want if, him back next year, if though. If he could so have played, they, well, I mean, I wouldn't want him back if he, if he pulled the shoot and he could have played, but, but that's what players do now. Players think this is an individual sport. They don't care about the team anymore. There's very few that put team... Uh, over player, and Lamar Jackson is not one of those. If I were Baltimore, I would never give him a long-term guaranteed deal. I can't with the amount he's hurt. No. I would franchise him. If they franchise him, do you think he holds out? Yeah, I would. Fran- I think the move for Baltimore is the franchise. Well, what, what will he do? What will his reaction be? If he gets franchised, he's not going to show up to training camp. He won't play for them. But I think their move will be to franchise him, trade him, get some assets for him, and then the new teams. it's on the new team to sign him. See, I, I think he has to play. I, I think if they franchise him... I don't know if it, it, at this stage in his career he could walk away. I mean, look what happened to Le'Veon Bell. That's true. He didn't lose any value for sitting out this game, though. Like there, people no, no, debate, no. But if he sits out a season, he'll lose value. I'm sure he'll lose some value. But I still think the team will take a forget, shot at him. He has a limited shelf life. That's another reason I would I would decline giving him long term guaranteed because he's never going to be a pinpoint pocket passer. Nope. He's going to be as good as as long as his legs allow him to, and and already it's taken a toll. Yeah. Say a normal quarterback's shelf life, you get to rate. 34, 35 years old, if you're not like the Bradys or whoever, the Anomalies, he'll be like 29, 30 when yeah. it starts to slow down. I think down. he'll be lucky he makes 30 playing effectively. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's just natural. He's going to slow down. He's not going to be the fastest guy on the field eventually. Here's the other thing about that Lamar uh, negotiation. His mom's negotiating for him. Yeah. If I were the Ravens, I'd go to him, listen, we're not negotiating with your mother. It's farcical. It's stupid. We'll negotiate with you. Or an agent, right? Or, or a professional, but but if your mom's going to negotiate, we're not going to talk to her. It's not because she's a woman. We wouldn't negotiate with your dad either. If, if that's your approach, we're just going to franchise you and, and we'll see you at camp or not. That's probably the smartest move for them to try to win next year is just franchise him and hold out. And if he doesn't show up, he doesn't show up, whatever. You ruin your own value. We're not trading you. But that that's why the franchise tag is the thing. You know, it's unfair to the players, but they agreed to it. A team should take advantage of it by keeping well, their quarterback. I, I can't give him that guaranteed money. Um, you know, they were on the Greenberg show this morning on ESPN saying, you got to do that. If 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 he can't play his last two years because of injury, that's the chance you got to take. But but they always back the player on shows like that because they're all... They're all players. They're all ex-players, yeah. Yeah. I, I think... You know, in this instance, as far as the individual is concerned, he's not going to hurt himself by sitting out in that game. You are probably right, though. If he doesn't play on the franchise tag, that's when things will start to trend in the wrong direction. Teams will start to sour on him a little bit. Now, uh, uh, let's get to the the 
uh, five guys list because I understand you have a, a good topic today. What do we got going on? Yeah, since that 90s show comes out, I think Thursday this week, the 19th is when it debuts on Netflix. I've got five television dads. Of okay. course, you know one that's probably going to make his way on this list. Yeah, but let, let's let's go in order. Number five, Al Bundy, married with children. Tremendous dad because I believe more more dads out there are like him than not, just beaten down by life and by the wife. But in the end, kind of a, a voice of reason, right, for the family, like a noble figure, a noble figure. In the end, you you question it along the path because Al way. always came through for the family. Yes, he did, except Begr- for begrudgingly, the, except for the part about making money and. Giving them a decent life, but like semantics, right? When it came time to, like, for example, throw fist because, say, Kelly's <laughs> honor had been dismerged, it was let's rock. All right, number four, not necessarily the greatest dad, but laugh out loud funny, Frank Costanza. <laughs> that just and, abused George. And didn't he play a dad on King of Queens? That, he too? was Arthur Spooner. Yeah, he was Carrie's so he kinda, dad. He kind of double dipped. He did, but he's better as Frank Costanza. In my yeah, mind. well, you know what? You know what? He's good at short doses. I thought on King of Queens he was on camera too much. He's in every episode, yeah. Right, whereas whereas uh, in Seinfeld he was on, you know, here and there. I thought I thought his character benefited from that. And a lot of times he was the side piece to like Kramer's storyline. He was just an add-on character. Yes, exactly. Okay, so those those are two good ones. All right, number three. I mean, this is the gold standard. This is probably out of these five guys. This is the show I watched the least. But how could you not put Danny Tanner on your list of TV dads? Bob Saget, Full House. Oh well, what makes. That I mean, I didn't watch Full House ever. I barely watched it. Not I mean, my favorite. I mean, I, I watched. I, I glanced at enough to know what kind of character he played. And uh, the best thing is, is that Bob in real life was the skeeviest, exactly. scummiest, just, just, just dirty talking sex fiend by all accounts that you could imagine. And he went totally against his own personal grain on yes, Full House. That's the juxtaposition of his character yes. to his reality is Brilliant. unbelievable. It shows how good of an actor he really is. Yes, and it made it made the show more popular, and uh, especially in reruns. After that kind of leaked out. Right. That he was like, like when he played himself on Entourage. <laughs> As the neighbor. It was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. The stuff he got up to, which he really got up to. All right, number two, Philip Banks. Uncle Phil in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but he is the dad to Carlton. He is the dad to Ashley and Hillary. You don't like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I hated that show. Really? I, You're not it, a Will Smith fan, though. No, I'm not, but I thought that show was so cliched. I love The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. One of my favorites growing up. And number one, I know better than to not put this guy number one on my list. I'll get a boot up my ass if I don't. A Red, foot. A foot, foot excuse me. Red Foreman. Yeah, Red, Red. what made Red Foreman so... Well, that whole show clicks with me because I grew up in the 70s. Right. I grew up in that basement, although we didn't have hot girls like they did, which is is a testament to pretty much a crappy childhood, but... We had a we had a dad that the, the the father of the family whose basement we were in was a guy named Nick Tomasic who since passed away. He was so much like Red Ford was unbelievable. <laughs> just a hard ass. Yeah, yeah, just like but but he was legit too. Like you were, you know, he was funny, but you were legit a little bit scared of him, right? Yes. So so he he was just you know that like when I the first time I saw that '70s show after about five episodes, I said, "Wow, that's Mr. Tomasic." So so yeah, there was there's definitely but but that show's brilliant. I can't wait for that '90s show. Even though I DM'd uh, Kurtwood Smith, who follows me on Twitter. Yeah, he we're not, not getting any response from any avenue. No, there. no, they they. Well, you know what? Netflix is probably too big for our britches. If you know what I mean. I don't know about that. We got Cobra Kai guys before. Yeah, but don't forget, uh, John Hurwitz is from Pittsburgh. We had that connection. That's a good too. point. So I, in the what's that '70s show episode? Eric's birthday. Is that the second one or the first one that they've ever done? It was in the first season, but there's a great part where Eric's 
mom, Kitty, throws a surprise party, and she like they're all in the basement. She's like, "Come on, kids, not Eric!" And he like knows what's happening. And he doesn't want it, so he goes to bail and he opens the door, and Reg just standing in the door, and Shaking he's like, his head. "Nope." No, that's in the, the first season for sure. I, that's maybe the most I've laughed out loud at that oh, it's, show. It's one of my favorite shows ever, and I'm really looking forward to that '90s show. But the the only thing, what like like any sitcom, they ran out of ideas at some point. Yeah. Like the last season when Eric was gone because Topher Grace quit the show. Well, they got screwed there, and they brought in Seth Meyers' brother to play. You know, originally Seth Meyers was just going to replace Eric as Eric Foreman, and they decided that would you know be yeah. ridiculous. Nobody would buy it, so they named him Randy. So they, they stayed a season too long. The show lasted one year too long. But that being said, it still had incredible staying power. And the finale was great. Because Eric comes back. Yeah, although when I had Danny Masterson on my show, um, he said that, that, that Topher Grace just came, did his part left, didn't stay for the after party, didn't take a bow on stage. He, he said the rest of the crew was not fond of him. Although, from what I... From what I hear, time has appeared to have healed those wounds. Although, then again, we don't know with Danny Masterson because he's the one guy not participating because uh, of his uh, of his court case out in California. But I think I have seen Topher speak on you know how he dealt with the cast back then and his exit from the show and seemed to have some regret about it. Like it's not like he was like, yeah, I made the right decision. I mean, it's not like his movie well, career he, really he, took he, off he, after he that. He thought he would go to huge stardom, and he went to. A moderate actor's career. Whose best role was in Ocean's 12 when he trashed the hotel room that Brad Pitt owned. And uh, wasn't he one of the Spider-Mans? Wasn't he Venom? He was the villain in the third Spider-Man. But he was not a believable Venom, was he? No, he's a bad cast. Yeah. And he has that sitcom now. I forget what it's called. Amazingly, I've not watched it. I usually have such unflinching loyalty. Like, I watched every episode of The Ranch on Netflix because it had Kutcher, Masterson, uh, Kurtwood Smith, and Deborah Jo Rupp had cameos. You know, it was it was it was like that '70s show lives on a ranch. When I hear Topher Grace interviews too, he's a very smart, funny guy, like very witty. And his character on that '70s show, Eric, really shows that he he's a very quick thinker when it comes to you know, although wordsmith. although like the whole show, the character became too clowny in the home stretch. Like the the, the big stars of the home stretch of that '70s show were the were the repeat guest stars. Like when Mary Tyler Moore did four episodes, when Shannon Elizabeth did basically a season, they kind of kept the show propped up. And that's usually what happens when shows run their course like yes. that. You just run out of ideas. Like you said, fifth, sixth season worth of material, that's tough to do. Now, uh, I, I, we got to talk Penguins a little bit because they, they you know, we're doing this uh, taping on a Tuesday. They won last night 4-3 in overtime against Anaheim. Ugh. It was one of the most depressing wins <laughs> yeah. I've ever witnessed. They nearly blew it. Uh, Rusty scored in the last minute to, to salvage overtime. And then somehow the Ducks missed a 2-1-0 in overtime when the puck was on the stick of their best player, Trevor Zegras. And then Gunsel came back down and scored. And I said um, in, in a column I wrote for the Trib that the Penguins were too happy after the game. The, the locker room was like buoyant because they had this comeback win, ignoring that the Ducks are – Last in the Pacific Division and last in the whole league in goals per game, goals against, power play, and shots against. Yeah, it's a two points that you sorely needed, and I'll take it, but it made you feel nowhere near good about this team. They are still far away from a team that I have confidence in making the playoffs, to be honest with you. I know we had Jonathan Bambouli on the show about a week ago, and he said, you look at it, it's like you're playing the Islanders, the Sabres, and maybe the Panthers for that last wild card spot. I don't know if I trust them to beat the Islanders or the Sabres at this well, point. Well, the thing with the Islanders is they have who might be the best goalie in the league with Ilya Sorokin right. and the best goalie 
usually makes the playoffs. Would it have been better if they lost? Because if they lost, I think Fenway Sports Group might have forced Ron Hextall into action. That's tough to say because they desperately need those points. But yeah, I think losing is the only way that you're going to get action. If they keep staying afloat and keep sniffing around that wild card spot, keep sniffing around the top three in the division, you're going to be able to sell hope. And finally, uh, my my second top three, um, talking about Billy Gardell, we talked about the fat actors. Billy's not a fat actor anymore. He would have been in my top three had he, maybe technically he should get like a, <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award for having done so well when he was fat. But but God bless Billy. He's a, a great guy and a, just a great comic actor. But my top three uh, Billy Gardell roles. And just off the board is his current series, Bob Hart's Abishola. I've not watched it as much as I would like to because I don't watch primetime TV. I watch everything in reruns. Yeah, I don't watch much primetime TV either. So once that gets to reruns, I'll... You're I'll, all over Bob Hart, Abishola. No, no question. But number three is a tie... Between the cop and my name is Earl. A lot of people forget that. He played the cop and my name is yep, Earl. Yeah, he did. Very young in Cardell's career. Yep, yep. And the neighbor in Young Sheldon. That's right. He also I a, have seen him in that. He also had a cameo in Bad Santa as the security guard. <laughs> but he was in it for like like 45 seconds. Number two, um, you got to go with the, with the uh, breakout role, Mike Biggs and Mike and Molly, which is just a delightful show. And I always felt like Melissa McCarthy owes her breakout to... to her chemistry with Billy Gardell as much as anything else. They were just, as as a as a couple on screen, they were greater than the sum of the parts. And that show's still going on, right? It's still, no, no, no. No, it just it's ended. reruns. Okay. But still, very longevity yes. for that show, too. You know, it lasted a while. And number one, this is an easy one, Colonel Tom Parker in the series Sun Records on CMT. It only had like a 10-episode run. But uh, Tom Parker, Elvis's manager. That's who, Tom Hanks in the movie, right? Tom Hanks played in the movie. Uh, I think Billy outperformed Tom Hanks. Really? Yeah. You know why? Because believe it or not, he outsleaze Tom Hanks. Okay. His Colonel Tom Parker was even sleazier than Tom Hanks's, and and boy, that that goes away, don't it? Yes. And for the record, you think Tom Hanks did a good job? In yes, that movie, he was brilliant. Right? Okay. Wow. High praise for Billy Gardell. Then Elvis is one of the best movies of the past. Still I don't haven't know how many caught years. it yet. I got to. I watch it. it over and over and over again. That's done off from an Unmarked Madden. Thank you for listening to the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And don't forget, bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.